Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with myself, Gary Middleton. Um, topic we're going to look at today is what does success look like? Um, our special guest today, Adam Colley, uh, England Learning Coach Developer. Welcome along, Adam. Hello, Gary. Thank you very much. Welcome and thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you back on, uh, Adam, because you, you did something for us last year, a webinar uh, around engaging games, uh, which went down very well. So it's great to have you back on uh, Coach to Coach and from the sidelines. Can you just explain to everyone where you're at at present within your coaching roles within the game? Yeah, of course. So um, based down in sort of near Milton Keynes, so sort of Bucks and Bucks, so um as as you mentioned i'm a uh, an england learning coach developer so delivering um both the introduction to coaching football course and the uafc um course as well um and i've been a coach developer in a variety of different um sort of roles and working for other national governing bodies as well so I do some stuff for england handball rounders england um, and some generic stuff for uk coaching as well so um yeah have experiences of, of lots of different environments and and sports so hopefully those sorts of things can help me into um some useful chat over the next half an hour or so yeah looking forward to it adam adam so within the topic what does success look like um as coaches um what do we remember from our last game uh this is aimed at the fact that it may only be the score that sticks in my head rather than how many successful dribbles there were or how many times the team regained possession um is that where we should be focusing yeah it's, it's something that that i've sort of noticed a lot and, and this is over my sort of journey and i say from different sports but mainly from a football point of view is that um that the only thing we tend to remember from games is the score but actually that could potentially be the, the least important part yeah um and when we're working with our players we need to think about how we can frame the, the success of a session is not just based down to who scored more goals actually what are we getting out of that that's the, that is the real winner some of this stuff comes from um, and i think i might have alluded to this previously on my other chats and other things i've done is my um, my other role as a parent and actually what does success look like for me as a as a parent and actually if i set my bar too high or too unrealistically then i'm never going to hit those heights and i always think it's sort of so to, to my little boy, if I put loads of peas on his plate and my my version of success is he must eat all those peas. If he doesn't eat those peas, then am I failing? Is he failing? Whereas if I know he's only going to eat, I don't know, 20 peas and he eats 20 peas, but still leaves some on his plate, that's a winner. So we've got to think about as coaches, what else can we get from our sessions that means that we are coming away with um, a big tick because we've achieved what we wanted to? And that should shouldn't have any type of um, bearing on what the scoreline was, um, and that's that's in training and uh, on match days as well. Um, and actually, from that, what does success look like from a training? Is it how many players are turning? Are we getting the same players every single week? Is everybody turning up before ready to go? Bang on the bang on the start time. Um, and they're all there right to the end every single week. That is success. Yeah. Um, are we having smiling players every single week? Is everybody really looking forward to coming? If that's the case, then yes, we're 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 succeeding. Um, 
And then for sort of match days, you mentioned those sort of those sort of technical tactical bits. If if we've been working on something in training, can our players then go and replicate it on a match day? So if we've been working on um, win, re, regaining possession in our defensive half, defensive third, whatever it might be, and actually, so our match day is all geared around that. How many times do our team regain possession in our defensive areas? And so if we're achieving that, that's our success. Not what the scoreline was. That's yeah. almost irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. How do these become a factor in creating the right environment for our players, though, Adam? Um, I, th I think that's one of the biggest things: the environment. We have yeah. to make. We have to create the right environment for our players, so that they know that everything they do is not linked and measured on the results that we have in in games, whether those games are training or whether those games are at the weekends. Um, and they need to understand that. And, and when they do, and if we're as coaches not showing that we're worried about the results, then players automatically are going to, they're going to remember what the score is. That's just part of the game. The kids will understand there is a winner and a loser. Yeah. Um, or that there's going to be a draw. They will understand that and they'll be disappointed. Some will be far more disappointed than others. Some will just take it. Um, so we have to bring that into our environments and get, make sure they understand that there is going to be defeat that we have to accept and we have to deal with in the right way. But we also have to have empathy for the team. If we're winning well, we have to have empathy for the team that have just lost. Um, but the environment is all about ensuring our players feel comfortable that whatever they do, that their performance isn't judged on the result. So yeah. um, I always say to sort of players in my environments that I'm working in, is I want them to go and make mistakes. Yeah. And some people always look at, or children always look at me a bit strangely because they've potentially been in maybe a school environment or other environments where you're not supposed to make mistakes. Mistakes aren't good, but actually in a, in in life, but as and and football, mistakes are good because you're that's when players they're trying things. If they're not making mistakes and potentially they're not trying the things that you want them. To have a go at, um, yeah. Not they're not going to learn from that, other Adam. Yeah. So you want them to go and try something. If they get it wrong, then what are they going to do next time? And that yeah. that is coaching. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're working with players in that that foundation phase, that sort of five to twelve, eleven, they're they're going to get things wrong because they're five to twelve. There are yeah. going to be kids that maybe have a a, a high level of ability and that are uh, a forged ahead than some of the others, but then. What else can we do to challenge those individuals where they are still going to have to think about their outcomes and um, sort of what happens if they do make a mistake? What's the, the ramifications of that? Um, so it's, a, it's about creating an environment where players feel confident and comfortable that if they make a mistake, you are going to go, brilliant, well done. What could happen to make it um, a success next time? Or if, if you do make that same mistake again, what do we need to try and tweak and change? Um, but the players aren't sort of getting something wrong and turning around going, oh, I'm going to get shouted at yeah. or I've done so wrong. So I think that's that's the, the bit where the environment is absolutely key. And I think as coaches, that's got to be, that's got to be the same throughout midweek training as well as the match day on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Because the players are just going to get confused if it's if it changes to a match day, because the consequences being that we've given a goal away, we want to let them make mistakes and and learn learn by doing that. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's and our behaviour as coaches has to be like you say across yeah. the board on all environments. It has to be the same, yeah. um, and that and that's part of being a really good coach is to make sure that your players understand how you're going to behave from in training at match days because they know they're what to expect from you, mm-hmm. um, and you can try and encourage those behaviours in your players as well. Um, and it's it's something that comes up on so many different. Uh, CPD courses, but mainly the sort of the main coaching ones, like the introduction to coaching football, and you oversee that um, we really want coaches to really reflect on what their behaviour at training looks like compared to match days, and if they're different, why is that? Is it because the expectation on their players is different? Is it because the expectation they maybe feel of themselves is different? But it also maybe the expectation of parents and and um, those are bringing the children to the sessions are those expectations different so the pressure builds on the coach and therefore the pressure builds on the player and actually if it's if those expectations and behaviors are all aligned that are all um consistent throughout then it makes for a much better um learning and plan environment for the players that we're working with as you touched on you touched on the parents there and you know our point of view as coaches, our behaviour through training, game days, stays the same. Let players make mistakes, let them try things. How do we get the parents to buy into that? Because ultimately you see on the sidelines where the, the under seven, the under eight, look over to mum or dad if something's gone wrong. Uh, you know, what is that behaviour from the parent? How do we get that parent the parents to buy into to our philosophy around what success is to us as a, as a team or a club. Mm, it's transparency and um, and just conversations with parents and just being open. Um, there's a lot of um, not just in football but other sports where I know that they've said no. We keep the parents as far away from what we're doing as possible. We we don't want the parents getting involved because it makes it messy. Actually, no. Flip it round. If the parents are you're, if you're closer to parents and you're again it's building those relationships and we talk about a lot of the time is that that player that um, player centered approach that includes the parents if you're building relationships with the players you should be building relationships with the parents as well because then you can be open and honest and say right this is what we're going to be working on this is what we're trying to achieve we're not worried about what the score is but this is our focus for today's game or this is what we're working on over the next six weeks or whatever it might be. So that your parents get an understanding of what's happening in um, training and at matches. So when they come along at the weekend, you can, or they have an understanding of what you've been working on as a coach and what they should be looking for from their, their, their daughter, from their son, when they're playing in those matches. Um, and it's, uh, then it just makes it a little bit easier as well, because then at the end of games, parents can say to their, their players, oh, so you're working on... F- uh, forward runs with the ball today how many times did you did you go forward with the ball or i saw you do some really good stuff so then there's that link rather yeah. than the first conversation in the get in the car was score did you score why didn't you score so it just changes the um well, it just frames the, the the conversations slightly differently but on a positive yeah. note yeah yeah and, and adam i think that there's there's some room there for actually getting parents on the sidelines involved with what you're what you're trying to achieve and the challenges that you may be setting down to the players throughout that game, uh, mm-hmm. getting them to write stuff down, 
whiteboards, tactics boards. So they've got some in, in involvement and engaged with the process that you're trying to achieve within the within the team. Yeah. So they and so their focus then isn't necessarily on the goals either. They're looking yeah. at other things. They're looking at see how many times somebody had a successful dribble, or even how many times a player attempted a dribble. Might not have been successful because that might not be where that player's at. But actually, yeah. if they just attempt it, that's their success. So you can say, come off and say, um, that X amount of players have had five attempted dribbles or more with the ball, but you haven't had to worry about that as a coach, but your parents are involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just brings it quite, I, I think it's quite a nice way. It's hard to do. And I, I wouldn't say to coaches that they could go and do it just like that, because it is about that rapport. And it takes time to build relationships and time to build an understanding that, um, because some parents will go, what, you, you, you're giving me a whiteboard? What's this for? So it will take time. Yeah. Um, but I think it's something that could be really powerful, um, ultimately, and have the biggest outcome on your players, because they're the most yeah. important people in the in sort of that process. Yeah. Adam, what, what can we do to create opportunities where success is highlighted without focusing in on the result at all times? Um. I suppose one of those is the one we just talked about, about bringing the parents so they're aligned. Um, but ultimately, making sure your players understand that that's what, that what you're looking for. Um, so again, it comes down to the expectations. Um, it comes down to their understanding of what you want from them as individuals, but also as a team. Um, and it could start right from the very beginning of sort of maybe under, under sixes, under sevens you're not looking for anything other than them to just go and play yeah. and let them go and play. It might be one week you've had six players come to you saying they want to go in goal. That could be, that's your success because you've created an environment where people want to go in goal. Yeah. Um, and that's, um, and that could be from a very young age. It might be as you move, start moving through and we get to sort of the later parts of that foundation phase where they're sort of 10, 11, 12, they're understanding more about results there could be individual challenges. So you could start saying to some players, I want you today to think about how many times when we lose possession, can you recover and help out our defenders? How many times are you going to make a recovery run? That's what I'm going to be looking at today. So individual challenges, how many forward passes can you make when you win the ball back? Those sorts of things could be key, um, rather than it being the same condition put on everybody. Yeah. Um, but as I say, I think the best, the, the clearest thing to do is to make sure those expectations are set out right from the beginning. And that might just be your what your expectations are. Um, I talk a lot on safeguarding courses about codes of conduct. And for a lot of clubs, um, and again, from a variety of different sports, codes of conduct are written by um, either the committee or one person, and everybody has to sign it. But actually, if those codes of conduct can be created um, in a collective way, so actually created by you, the players have a, an input into their code of conduct, the parents have an input into their code of conduct, or so do the coaches. So actually you get potentially three or four completely different codes of conduct, but it's all aligned to what you as coaches expect of yourself and others. The, the parents will know, will be putting down the things that they think they should be doing, like just giving rounds of applause but if they're putting it down on their code of conduct they should be sticking to that on a on a match day and the training um but ultimately 
if your players are creating their own rules and expectations, then you get to find out. Actually, there might be something that's completely different to what you would have written down. So you get to find out what they want from the sessions. So you can then start aligning it to, to what they want. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not just about the coach creating that environment. It's about giving those players that ownership and what they, um, what they see as success. Because mm. if that aligns with yours, then brilliant. If not, yeah. then what can we do as coaches to help um, ensure those players are achieving what they what they want ultimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, as as coaches, we want we want our players to leave training and leave a match day with smiles on their faces. We want them to love the game. We want them to want to come back to your next training session. Um. So it's ultimately how we create them environments, sessions that they they love taking part in and taking part in the challenges within the game that they want to keep coming back to. I suppose the challenge around that, that's a little bit easier at the foundation phase, the younger mm -hmm. age groups. There's a bit more of a challenge around that once we get into that youth development phase and the more challenging age groups of keeping players involved in the game. Have you any advice and support coaches that might be listening in, working in that area, where actually just getting um, 11, 12, 13 players to turn up to training might be a challenge in itself? Yeah, I think that is always going to be a key one. I think one of those is player involvement. I think once we start getting into that age group where players are now starting to find about out about what positions they play so obviously foundation phase we should be making sure our players have that constant rotation so if you've got a parent coming to you saying they're seven year olds a striker it's like no no they're a they're a they're a footballer um first and foremost they're not they're not a striker whereas when we start getting to that um youth development phase players are going to start to know what positions they are but we've got to make sure we don't fall into the trap of playing our best team because if we are having the same players who are maybe starting as a substitute every single week and only getting X amount of minutes, there is going to be a bit of a drop off. So we've still got to be consistent, especially if we've been working with the team all the way from foundation phase into youth development. Keep that consistency going where you're still allowing players, um, different players to start the games each week, because again, the, it shouldn't be focusing on the result. Yes, there might be more of a, an understanding from your players that they really want to try and win. But ultimately, we're trying to create, the, we want to create the opportunities for players to be the best they can be, not to just be a substitute on a team that wins every week. Because yeah. for them, that's not what we want to do. So we really want to start tapping into those understandings and build those relationships that we're building with those players are massive at that age because we can start to understand them and have conversations so that they are they feel included. Um, but yeah. I think that's a really good one. Make sure that they are constantly being involved in in games, in sessions, regardless of abilities, um, because then you you will avoid or potentially avoid with the game. Yeah, yeah. Because ultimately we we, we need to we're developing individuals, aren't we? We're developing the person not only to support them in their football development, but is it develop is it developing the person in life? Um, so it's understanding the needs of them individuals within your group, because yeah. it 
that could be success in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, the young, the, sorry, Karen. What the young person that comes to you once a week for a training session that might be the highlight of their week. Yeah. And that, so that's make it as as memorable as we can. Absolutely. We only have a we only have a small we could potentially only have a small amount of time with the individuals that we're working with. But that that time is is key. We can have a huge impact on them, not just as a, a footballer or an athlete, but actually as a person. And that's part of who we are. And I think that's where coaching has has potentially changed. Or it's always been like that. But the highlight of our roles as coaches has really shifted and changed in the last sort of 10, 15 years. Um, we do have to be quite a few things to some players. For some for some players, we are just a coach, brilliant. But some other players, we we may be that person they look up to. We may be the person in their life that maybe they, they need to um, talk to a little bit more or, or come and ask questions to. So I think that those connections and those relationships are key. Um, I, I do give the scenario off. So in the in the workshop I've delivered previously, and this actually comes off um, somebody that was on a UAFC course, um, and I won't give out names for, for various reasons. But they were working with a um, a ladies football team or women's football team. Every single week, um, they had, and they were sort of the development team of the, of the club they were working with. Had sort of twenty odd players turning up each week for training. Um, match days, they had to rotate who played because there's so many players that wanted to play on match days that they couldn't take everybody. So they just rotated who played each week. Um, where I, and, and they just had so many players coming. The environment was really great. Lots of different abilities. There was players that have played the game for 15, 20 years. There were players that had never played before at all, but wanted to come along because the environment was great. Um, compare that to the, the first team where they may get sort of 10 people at training and on match days will be really struggling to get numbers, but yet they were winning every week. Um, and so I always say to people, who's who's the most, who's winning? Is it the coach of the first team who's winning every single game, but struggles to get sort of good numbers at training and actually struggles to get players from um, to actually turn up for games? Or is it the coach that's creating an environment where basically oversubscribe with players from various different abilities with that all want to be part of that group and actually don't want to go and play for the first team because the, the environment that's being created for the development team is, is far greater. So where's this, where does the success lie? Um, yeah. And there was some real, I've had some real good answers. Some people are saying the successful coach is the one that's, that's winning games. Whereas in my eyes, it's the coach that's created an environment for people of all different abilities to come and play and enjoy the game of football. Yeah. Um, so it's about those, I suppose it's values and things that you just have to weigh up. But ultimately, what's yeah. the best thing for the people you're working with? Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what would you say the takeaway messages would be from, from today's chat around what success looks like? Um, speak to your players, speak to your parents. And create those um, connections and um, really understand what it is that your players want. Um, and how do you as coaches build, build the environment for that? And everything else, that, that should be ultimately what it's about. What do your players want to get from it? There might be someone who just want to win games. But is that because they just think that's, that's what's expected of them? 
Um, so yeah, create connections and really get to understand why your players play, why they come along, what they want to get from the time they're with you, and how does that? How can you then, as a coach, ensure they have the best opportunity um, to be the best they can be? Yeah. Um, and again, that success will will look different for each player. Yeah. Um, and that, that's our job as coaches to ensure we give them the best opportunity to be the best they can be, regardless of their abilities and needs and wants. Yeah. Adam, it's been a pleasure as always speaking to you. And thanks very much for sharing your knowledge around around the topic today. And hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Nice one. Thanks, Gary. And I appreciate you having me back on. And um, yeah, thanks to those that have, have tuned in to listen. I uh, hope it's been helpful. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll uh, speak to you and see you again soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Adam.